This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here is your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn DeGeek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 9th, episode 2868. Good morning, horse people. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we go again. And away we go. Well, good morning, everybody. It's the Wednesday before Super Bowl, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. We have our Italian chef joining us today, and uh, she's going to come on, Pat Reyes, she's going to come on and talk about a recipe for Super Bowl. When I asked her to come on, I said, you got to give us a recipe. It's coming up. So she's doing the Mufalata sandwiches now. I happen to love with a lot of sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, this is your freaking nightmare. So. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> that's okay. You know, it's not all about me, Glenn. It's all about now, she, getting everybody happy. She she knows you pretty well because she, she is giving – you just don't like olives, which is why this sandwich won't work. But she is giving the vegetarian version too. There's a vegetarian version of this. There's a meaty version and a vegetarian version. So cool. she's going to give both. It's just that Jamie's not an olive person. So you couldn't be Italian. They wouldn't let you in. No, I can take it. Yeah. <laughs> and we love olives. So the one store here has an olive bar. Ugh, like I get like 16 different varieties. When I walk into this, there's a Sprouts near me and they have an olive bar in there. I walk in, I'm like, oh, like I can smell the olive. <laughs> I think it's a genetic thing. Like it's like cilantro. You're either genetically okay with it or genetically not. And olives are like that for me. You know what Although else I, I think that way is curry. We can't do curry. Jennifer and I, <sighs> you, we can't stand curry. And people love curry. I think you're either curry or no curry, right? Yeah. So, hey, um, I wanted to talk about something. I know we talked about this in the auditor room. We might have briefly mentioned it on the show. I'm not sure. Uh, But I've gotten some questions from people who don't listen to the auditor show. So um, we we have an announcement to you over here in Ocala. Jennifer and I have been renting the farm we're at for a about eight years uh, since we moved to Ocala. And it's a beautiful place, and we absolutely love it. And it's our little end of corner of paradise. But we decided we had to grow up. I'm going to be 60 this year, and we're starting to look at maybe retiring someday. Don't panic. We're not leaving tomorrow. The show's still going to go on. Um, but, you know, maybe someday I'll have to retire and, and live off of uh, whatever savings we have, which, you know, after running this company for a long time is not a lot. <laughs> so we decided that with the prices around here and everything and rents have gone through the roof. Now, we're lucky. We, You know, they've kept our rent pretty much the same, but they could rent this place now for three times what we're paying. Um, so we decided it was time to buy. Now we can't afford a farm around here because farms that were going for 250,000 three years ago are now 750 to a million, literally two acres with a house. So, uh, we ended up, uh, buying a little house in a neighborhood south of town, uh, south, we're north of town, that's south of town. It's near the Florida horse park. 
And we're going to be boarding the horses for a couple of years. Maybe in a couple of years, we'll get ourselves a little farm. We kind of did this intentionally also because we do want to travel more like we did last year. We want to be able to just go for a week or two or three at a time with the camper. We can work out of the camper and we can just travel anywhere we want to go. And having the horses boarded will allow that. Now, that... That's the part Jennifer's having a tough time with, is we have them in the backyard now, and then they'll be boarded. So we found a nice place to board. It was a reference. It's not an open boarding stable, and it's right along the Florida Greenway. Jennifer will be able to ride literally out of the back of the farm into a 1,000 miles of trails in the woods. So it is the place where all the endurance riders ride and where Jennifer goes to ride when she wants to ride in the woods. So it's perfect. The pony will be able to take the cart back there, and it's a quarter mile from the Florida Horse Park where we ride and drive all the time. So it, it's a little red house, so Jennifer gets a Valentine's present that's bigger than most this year. Um, and it's kind of cute. Uh, it has some quirky things, and it's been lived in by 80-year-old uh, couple for about 10 years, so we need to repaint and do a lot of work. We're going to be doing that next week when we were supposed Not to be Not to be, be weird or anything. They, did, they didn't, like, die in the house or No, anything. no, they were there when we went through. They were just moving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just didn't checking. die in the house. I thought of that, actually. Uh, but the one quirky thing, this did you see the pictures I posted in the auditor room the other day? Of the uh, mirrored, mirrored wall. Yes. wall. In the 1970s, my friends, a couple friends had this built. If your house was built in the 1970s, they had this thing about making one entire wall of the living room a mirror from floor to ceiling, end to end. And it has that. Now, this mirror is probably... $5,000 worth of mirror, right? Because it's three huge pieces of mirror and they glue it to the wall. So the, I am not going to risk, I don't want to look at myself every morning in the mirror in the wall. Um, and the TV is going to be kind of along that wall. And I really don't want to sit there looking at myself while watching TV. So we had you like watch yourself sitting on the couch, <laughs> yes, eating, eating food and eating getting chips. fatter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the option was to take it off, which some people said you could do it, but there's a good chance of breaking it. And then I got to thinking, do we really want to break a 10 foot by 12 foot mirror the first time? Oh my God, give we me get... a sledgehammer. It'd be so fun. <laughs> I really didn't want to do that. So we're putting a big curtain in front of the mirror. That's how we're solving this problem. And the mirror is going to stay for now. I'm but... telling you, you could make some cash by saying to some dressage rider, you, you can come and get it and you can have it. <laughs> Maybe and someday. And they'll figure out some sort of like gooby gone or something they can like pour behind the wall to dissolve the glue. There's got to be a way to get rid you of know, this mirror and repurpose it. Actually, somebody said their husband's a contractor and you, they use piano wire. Behind Until the I mirror to like cut the back, I guess it cuts the glue or whatever. I don't know how you do that. But anyway, we're going to leave it for now because I don't want to deal with breaking a mirror and having bad luck for the rest of the time we're in the house. So, so <laughs> That's so, why it's still there. <laughs> that's why it's going to be have a curtain in front of it and it's just going to look like a big curtained wall for now. We thought about wallpapering it, but that, that got complicated. So we, Oh, we no, 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 no. Wallpaper nothing. Yeah, I think the curtain's going to – it'll look like a theater then. So anyway, <laughs> that's our exciting news. We're going to move the middle of next month. And we're going to be very – it's kind of bittersweet. We're sad to leave here because we loved it here, but it was time to be responsible. So um, so now I've spent some time in the house, and we started painting, and I'm feeling better. I'm feeling like more excited now about moving than I was before. Good. So there's our big news. Well, let's uh, get to everybody else's news here. Oh, 
Oh, and I forgot to mention one other thing. We had the cable hooked up over there already, and it's fiber internet, and oh my God. So nice. <laughs> Happy birthday to auditors Roxana White, Marie Cornell. Marie, we're going to miss you. She was supposed to be on the cruise. We were supposed to be together next week. And uh, so happy birthday to both of them. Also, I thought we'd do something a little different today. I went back and took a look at who were the first auditors that signed up when we started the auditor program in 2014. So we're going to start acknowledging some of the early people. Uh, Carol Jameson, Robin Kane, Gina Moronic, and Robin Donahue were the first four in 2014 and been with us ever since. So now, uh, does that are those people still auditors? Yeah, I mean, I know paying. Robin Donahue and Gina yeah, is and still I don't. paying. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Cool. All Thanks, these years y'all. later. So thank you guys. Appreciate your support all Aww, these years. So nice. I would like to give a daily money out to a slew of individuals from yesterday. I had such an exciting day, Glenn. I would like to point out that when I put Zeus in the trailer and I take him somewhere, like I I had to take him to the equine hospital yesterday because with all of the things continually happening with him, like for those who don't know, Zeus is my Mustang and I'll give you a quick story. Like, there's something wrong with him. And I have done saddle fit. I've treated him for ulcers. He's had hock injections. He had back x-rays. He had the lameness locator, like science n- nodes attached to him to like see you because Mustangs, he just doesn't limp. He doesn't want you to know he's hurt, but I'm riding him. I put my leg on. I ask him to trot and he starts grinding his teeth, pinning his ears and has recently started bucking. And that is not him. He's my event horse. He's done so much stuff and he is a very hardworking horse so for him to behave like this it's been just a constant i mean i've gone i don't want to talk about money glenn but it's been expensive and so remember zeus is an escape and artist. there's an understatement of a lifetime <laughs> yeah he's an escape artist he's constantly so he's very difficult to manage and i got to the point where i was like i I'm done. The only thing I can think of to do is scintigraphy, a bone scan, which is $2,000. And I talked to Chad about it and I was like, I'm not spending $2,000 on a bone scan that may or may not find something. And it may or may not be the thing that's bothering him. And I'm chasing rabbit holes, you know, like going in rabbit holes. And, and Chad was like, I don't care what you do. But you have to do something because I'm not going to have that horse standing in a field for the next 15 years. <laughs> like, like, do something. And so I called my vet. I had her out to come and I was like, just watch me ride him. And and she's amazing. She's Eastern and Western. She's all the things, chiropractic, acupuncture, all the things. And so she watches him and she's like, yeah, okay. So here's, there's, there's three things that pop up. And knowing that I've already done, you know, injections for and his back, injections in his hock and saddle fit and ulcer treatment recently, uh, all the things. She's like, and, and Dr. Wendy had mentioned to me that maybe it was like something like PSSM, which we need to get somebody on to talk about PSSM and equine motor neuron disease because he had to go to the hospital yesterday and get muscle biopsies taken. Of course, each, you can't use the same muscle for both tests. So they had to do two muscle biopsies in his butt. And I thought they just put a little tiny ice cream scoop in there and pop it out. No, it's pretty invasive. I mean, he's got like sutures all what over his butt and two spots. 
I posted a picture of Zeus's Facebook page if you want to see Zeus. I don't really want to see it, Thor so. the Mustang and Zeus the Mustang. <laughs> uh, showed, uh, there's a video if anybody wants to see it. Abby was taking a video from behind. Uh, so I, I put the they did this muscle biopsy and and it's 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 pretty it's pretty gory, not going to lie. But anyway, I said but. Huh? So what do they test the muscle for this disease? So I think with the PSSM, it's like a genetic thing, and they look for genetic markers, and it had to come from specific muscle in his butt, and then the motor neuron disease had to come from a different specific muscle in his butt. I should know more about all these things. you even more than he already does. And now he's on stall rest <laughs> for a week, and I'm like, what? Like, that's the worst part of the whole thing is that he has to be on stall rest. Anyway, giving him the daily winnie because that a-hole shows up at the clinic hops out of the trailer and he's like hey guys and they take him into the stocks and he's like okay and then they do all the things and he's like okay and he was so perfect and they're like this is the best mustang we have ever worked on and you are so lucky that you got such an easy mustang and i'm just like i'm going to kill you when we go home, I'm going to kill you. Like, what a faker. He's a liar. I'm like, he's a liar. He's not good. But he's so good in situations like this. And he's like going in the, in the hospitals. Like, they have to go through sure a door. He's not bipolar. Oh, did, my God. Did you ever have that checked? I, exactly. I need a brain sample of his tissue to see what's going on. Can other animals be bipolar, by the way? I don't know. If, if they are, it is him because he just fooled everybody. They're like, he's so gentle. I can just and see he's you so too, seething inside. Just like, Chad okay. wasn't there. Uh, and Abby was there too. And we're both just like, uh huh. Yeah, he's a good boy. I love him so much. And I do love him. And I want to get back to riding him and competing well, him. And it's been years. You, I'm so you frustrated. You proved your love about $10,000 worth. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah. But that's only because my husband is like, do not turn him out for the rest of his life. I can't take it. Uh, so, yeah. Little no, your bigger. husband right now would drive him back to a wild herd somewhere if he could. So and The thing is, you could take him to the wild and release him. And one of two things would happen. When his shoes fall off, he's going to be eaten by the nearest coyote because he literally, he is a Mustang that never, his mother was captured pregnant. Thank God. Because he would be dead. He would never have survived because he's the worst shelly, white, soft feet. I have tried six <laughs> different times because I'm shoeing a horse that's doing nothing. But he can't actually be sound in a field without shoes. When I adopted him from the sheriff's department, they were like, this horse is going to need shoes forever. And so, like, Was so he like, your first Mustang, by the way? I can't remember. No, okay. I had Thor first. Oh, that Thor was first. And, okay. and Thor, my my farrier, would have to sharpen her tools after she left because his feet were, like, <laughs> like trying to, you know, it's, they were, like, iron. It was crazy. So, anyway, so, so one of two things would happen. Either he would die immediately if he was turned out in the wild, or you drive him all the way back to Nevada and you turn him out, and by the time you get home, he's in our feed room. Eating grain because that's where he likes to go. When he escapes, he doesn't run away. No, he goes to the feed room. I am domesticated and I need more food. So currently he's on stall rest in my barn. And I wanted to thank everybody who he tricked yesterday into believing he's this <laughs> sweet little angel. 
Uh, does the Zeus stories never stop? Hashtag damn it, Zeus. They never stop. <laughs> Hashtag damn it, Zeus. All right, let's talk about something that you guys can make at home if you so desire at the Super Bowl. And we have Pat Rea coming up. She is from What Italians Really Eat. She's been joining us for, what, years now, I think? Well, we we initially booked her because she was a journalist, and she'd written the stuff, and I started read, like, reading about her. And yeah, she's she a horse poet, stuff, right? an author, yeah. horse welfare, and yeah. she's also an amazing cook. And so we started using her for Italian recipes, <laughs> and she's just delightful. And I'll put this recipe in the sh- uh, on the Facebook page for Horses in the Morning right after the show, so you have the complete recipe, and also in the show notes. I'm so happy to welcome Pat to the show today. Thank you, Pat, for joining us. Anytime. It's my pleasure. Oh, my gosh. So what, being that you're Italian, you have a kitchen. Your husband has his own kitchen in the garage. Most guys have, like, man caves. Your your husband has a man kitchen uh, in the garage. I want a man kitchen. That sounds good. Food, you have a man kitchen because your wife doesn't cook. cook. So yeah, that is true. All right. Is your right. Man kitchen. <laughs> But is the, is the Super Bowl a time where Italians get together and eat food, or is it just is it not that big a deal to y'all? Y'all well, you know being what? your Itali- husband and you, not Italians. Italians anymore. get together to eat food no matter what. Any <laughs> excuse, any excuse works for me. Super Bowl, um, uh, 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 Kentucky Derby, Tuesday. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not. Uh, 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 it's not something that we reserve for for any good reason. Uh, we we have every good reason every day to get together to to get together and to share food and share recipes and you know tweak things and that's what we do. And is it true? I think I just heard this the other day that what we call spaghetti sauce, you have a different name for it. Well, it depends. It depends. Um, sometimes we call it gravy, spaghetti gravy. Um, think about gravy, right? Gravy is something you make with meat. So spaghetti gravy is made with meat, and sometimes it's pork or uh, uh, beef ribs or a combination of those, uh, Italian sausage or meatballs. But it, it, the meat is a component of uh, uh, the, the sauce, if you will, the gravy. A sauce is more like you would make in the pan, like a marinara sauce that you would you would make in a pan with just tomatoes, meatless. I never Anything knew the meat- I never knew that about the gravy. I, oh, that's interesting. That's good to know. Well, you learned so. We all learned something today, thanks to Pat. <laughs> Oh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pat, you have a, I, I know we've talked about how important mufalata sandwiches are to you and your family. And today mm-hmm. is the day you get to tell us how to make them. Okay. Well, you know what? It's, it, it's, first of all, you, you, you guys have the recipe for the, um, for the olive spread, which I know, I know not an olive fan. I get it, but I'm telling you what I am. Taste this. You, it, you, <laughs> I know, but listen, you, you may love this after you taste it. So this um, spread is good not only for mufalata sandwiches, but on any sandwich. If you have a, a cold-cut sandwich of any kind and you put this stu- stuff on it, it kind of, is, is a, uh, instead of mustard or mayo or any of those other things, it kind of brings a, an extra kind of oomph to whatever sandwich uh, uh, that you're eating. A mufalata sandwich is unique in that you you know it, it derives from uh, the central bakery in um, the central grocery store. I'm sorry, in uh, New Orleans 
the Italians were cutting the, were stone cutters were making the monuments and the, in the cemeteries, uh, uh, these guys would come into the store and they would buy a, a, a hunk of bread and uh, a, a chunk of uh, cheese and a little bit of cold cuts and they would make a sandwich out of it. So the guy said, oh, I'm going to be smart about this. I'm going to make a sandwich. And so to avoid making all these sandwiches all the time, he would make one big sandwich and cut it into wedges. So a muffalata, genuine muffalata sandwich, you cut the top off the bread, right? You slice the bread in three in, in three places. So you have a, a one slice, the middle slice, and the bottom slice. And you alternate. You put a little olive oil on the top of the bread, and you put a little olive oil on the bottom of the bread, and you layer it with your... Um, uh, Italian cold cuts, whether those are salami or capicolo or turkey. I mean, sometimes you can use turkey, you can use uh, a roast beef and cheese. And then you go to the next layer and do the same thing. And then you go to the next layer and do the same thing. In between all those layers is this olive spread. In between and every you, layer. You betcha. And then you slice it right in wedges and everybody gets a, gets a chunk <laughs> and everybody's happy. First time we had a muffalata sandwich was in New Orleans. That's the first place we ever had yep. one. It fell in love with them. Yeah. That's Did they you know, them. Glenn, that they were invented because of all the Italians that were currently going out and being stone cutters for all the graves? No, I didn't know that. But they See? do have some interesting <laughs> cemeteries in New Orleans, that's for sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh my for gosh, sure. So fascinating. And really and truthfully, you can do this. You can make, because I know you're a vegetarian, darling. I know. So you can make <laughs> the same sandwich, but you can layer this with um, grilled eggplant or roasted peppers or zucchini, anything, cheese. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can like toss the meat out totally and, and make the sandwich um, with uh, only vegetarian items. But you have to Vegetable. like olives. That's the, the key here. Well, yeah, you, you know, that, that's the operative word here. But you know what? You can do this without <laughs> even putting the olives in there if you wanted to just, you know, do layers of um, seasoned um, olive oil, you know, drizzle seasoned olive oil on all your little vegetation. <laughs> <laughs> little vegetation. All right. Vegetation. So- the, the recipe calls for a, a jar of green olives with pimentos, uh, the Kalamata olives, a bunch of different olives. Now, do you hand mm-hmm. chop all these or a food processor? You, well, well, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, actually, you know, obviously, when you look at the recipe, you're going to do this is for quantity, right? You're going to make this so that you have it for like more than one use. But um, the thing that's done by hand um, is the rinsing of the, the, you know, you squash the, the olives with the pimentos and, and, uh, uh, and you rinse them. And the reason you rinse them is you want to get the salt out of there, right? Okay. It's, you don't want it to be salty. So you add that to the pan. The rest of the stuff, do you, um, do you use the word, the, the word processor? Well, oh boy, I'm having a busy day. This food processor. Well, I try not to. Yeah. He tries to do it all by hand. And the more you mix it by hand, see, that's the other thing about Italians. You've got to get your hands in there. Otherwise, well, let, Let's do this before we get too far. Let's go down through these because we had I posted this in the auto room this morning. There were some questions, and I had to look a couple of them up too. So you have a, you have a jar of green olives, stuffed with pimentos. Everybody knows what that is. Mm-hmm. And then you have mm-hmm. a jar of mild 
Giardinera. Giardinera. What's that? Giardinera. That is a combination. It, it depends on on, uh, on who's making it, but you can find it in the supermarket. Um, cauliflower, celery, carrots. Um, but it's pickled, right? Giardinera. Um, it's, it's, it's not pickled. If it's in olive oil, it's just uh, gotcha. sitting there in olive oil. Got it. Gotcha. And Jardinera, just, just for your information, Jardinera, uh, um, they're talking about stuff from the garden, right? Jardinera, that's what it means. Oh, okay. And then you have, Got uh, Kalamata olives. Which... Kalamata olives. Those are green, uh, those are Greek olives and they come from the Katamala region of Greece. And then garlic. And then you have sport peppers. And I had to look that up too, cause I didn't know what sport peppers were. Sport peppers, um, that's pretty much a, a, a Midwestern thing as far as I know. But sport peppers are little tiny peppers. They're not pepperoncini. They're, not, they're, they're sport peppers, and they're not hot. They're mild, usually. They, it's not like ghost peppers. You're not going to fall over dead after you bite into one. <laughs> but they're, <laughs> they're little tiny, little tiny uh, And they come in a jar, uh, too? They do. Okay. Gotcha. They do. And then you usually have t- those are... In water, I think, the sport peppers. Yeah, And then you have Italian seasoning and olive oil. So what do we mm-hmm. do with this mess? Mm-hmm. What do we do? Well, you're going to put it, oh, you're going to drain the olives, of course. You're going to put it in a Dutch oven, which is the best uh, place to put it if you have a deep pan, right? And you're going to crunch the, the, the olives. Um, and then you're going to add the Kalamata olives. You're going to crunch those up because, you know, you're going to get them pitted, right? So you're going to crunch them up and put them in the pan. And then you add cold water to the pan to cover the olives to, to desalinate it. Um, you don't want to keep it in the water for a long, long time because you don't want the, all of the salt to go away. You don't want all the flavor to go away. But just, you know, an hour uh, and then you drain it and then uh, you drain the olives and then get them back in the pan and then chop the garlic and the, and the other peppers um, and um, the Italian seasoning, the olive oil, the jardinera, and you mix it all. And you place it in a closed container. You know, I don't know. You can either use something that's got a lid on it, you know, in terms of like a, a, a big uh, plastic container that's got a wood on it. Although I would not use plastic. I, I would use glass. An old peanut butter jar that's cleaned out works well. You might need more than one of them. Um, and throw it in the refrigerator uh, and let it sit for a couple of days. you got to let all these, you know, the Italians, it's, a mingling is a really big deal for us. So we want all our foods to mingle too. So you want all these flavors to mingle together in the refrigerator. It's like anything else. The longer it's in there, the better it's going to taste. And what and then, kind of yep. bread? That's the important part here. Okay. Um, you want a nice crusty bread. You, not only for the muffalata, you know, you need a, a, a preferably a round loaf if you can find it, a, a Tuscan loaf maybe, round crusty bread. Um, and, but for any other sandwich, if you've got, um, uh, I don't know, a, a stick of, of uh, Italian bread or a stick of French bread, you're cutting it into sandwiches, um, or you get those little rolls, you know, sometimes you can get rolls in the supermarket that are for, um, subway sandwiches or, 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 um, uh, pepper sandwiches, sausage sandwiches, something that's crusty. And you just, you know, lay your cold, cold cuts out and pour the olive spread over it and sit back and let it drip all over you. It's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I I love this. I'm going to try this because I've always wanted, I never had the recipe for this. So, uh, 
I'm going to definitely give this a try. And we'll post it in our uh, Facebook group, too. And also, uh, we'll, it'll be in your show notes. So it'll be right there on your phone if you want to see all the different olives and things you need to do. It doesn't look like it's that difficult to do. You just have to have, buy all the ingredients. Yeah, it really isn't. And the ingredients are all readily available at the supermarket. I mean, it's not like we're looking at something that is so exotic that you have to go to an Italian market or you have to go to Mars to find it. It's all the ingredients are in your local, uh, in your, on the shelves in your local supermarket. Good, because we don't have many Italian markets here in Ocala, and I'm sure there's you less in Oklahoma. <laughs> we don't either, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, we don't either down here. So this is, you know, this is, we're in Parrish, Florida. And um, we just, the olive oil is the big deal. We know we can find that. And the rest of the stuff you can find in the supermarket. Everybody has garlic. Everybody has peppers. All that stuff. Very good. All right. Pat, it's always such a pleasure to have you on. We love you so much. Oh, well, I love you, too. It's always my pleasure to be on with you guys, too. Um, one word of advice, though, when you make this stuff, make sure you have enough of it because you, once you put it on stuff, especially you, Glenn, you're going to put it on everything. Okay. All right. I'll make <laughs> the full load here. I'm going to need a big jar to store it in, though. That's a lot of you stuff. You will. <laughs> well, either that or if you have a, a bunch of little jars, you know, sometimes because we have people that Does it keep that for a long take it time home. in the fridge? Oh, my God, yes. Okay. Well, it, it will keep for a long time, but you're going to eat it so much that it's not It's not going to keep for a long time. <laughs> okay, got it. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate it. What's the, hey, where, my pleasure. And that people can go to What Italians Really Eat on Facebook, and that's where you'll find Pat and uh, other recipes and what she has going on over there. That's correct. We're going to put this one on there, too. Cut right, right there. Thanks, that was Pat. perfect. That was great. Good job, right. as thank always. You, You're darling. funny. Oh, I know. Well, thank you. I don't know. What, I don't know. I, I think that's a compliment, right? I like to be funny. This is a, a well, we, we tend to think we're a comedy show, so yes, it's a compliment. We, we like funny. Good, so. good, good, good. Well, excellent. All right. Thanks. All right. Hey, how, where is Parrish, by the way? Parrish is... From Ocala, it's south. Um, near it's what? Off of, uh, it's near Bradenton. Oh, I know where Bradenton is. Yeah, you're not too far yeah, out of yeah. uh, out of Sarasota then. No, we're not. Uh, it's by Lakewood Ranch. Well, oh yeah, I know where that is. Uh, so next time I go down and visit Dr. Wendy in Sarasota, we'll have to stop by and see this outdoor kitchen. Absolutely, please do. Please yeah, do. That'd be great. Uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll give us a little advance notice and. Uh, We'll uh, we'll have some uh, uh, really interesting Italian goodies for you. <sighs> okay, definitely we're coming, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll include some vegetarian goodies too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drag Jamie along one of these days. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Pat. Perfect. All right, darling. Have a good day. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, on. I've never been called darling and hun so much. Uh, Got to love her. <laughs> She's funny, too. I always forget how funny she is. It's a very yeah. dry humor. but it... All right. Three, two, one. So there we go. I have my assignment. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get this one done for Super Bowl, but I'm definitely doing this one. Well, if you are, you better get it going today because you need I things know. to mingle. <laughs> I need to go. I, that's right. We need to mingle. <laughs> um, I'm going to definitely have to stop by and see her out. Uh, his outdoor kitchen. Maybe, maybe. Do you think they have cooking competitions? Like who makes the gravy better? I don't, I don't think Italians want to compete. They just all cook and eat. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
State Line Tack is pleased to be exhibiting at the Horse World Expo running March 3rd through the 6th in Harrisburg. That's coming up. Uh, they're thrilled to be back on the road and looking forward to reconnecting with customers. I think this one was canceled last year, too, so this might be the first year back for that Horse World Expo. That's at the uh, Farm Show Arena in Harrisburg. Huge, huge place. And also, you can find them in booths 1901 through 1945 under the big American flag that they have hanging in there. I remember that. So they always have a huge booth. Well, if they're in booths 1901 through 1945, does that mean they have 45 booths? That's that's a lot of big booths. Uh, They're also pleased to be exhibiting at Land Rover, Kentucky, April 28th through May the 1st in Lexington. And they're going to be there. They're always in the covered arena. They're always on the top what do you call that? Mezzanine of the covered arena where all the booths are. You'll find them. They have the biggest booth. You can't miss them. So you'll find them also at Kentucky at Land Rover. So be sure to check them out there. Now, they are have already announced some of the savings they're having. They're doing 50% off Gatsby. They're doing Oak Brands. They're doing up to 80% off uh, Khaki and uh, Da Vinci and a bunch of other brands. So check them out at the shows. And uh, it'd be fun for you guys to get back spending money at shows, too. You can also follow them on Facebook. Just uh, go to Stateline Tech and also SLTcom on Instagram. And next up is our health segment brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. Dr. Wendy's stopping by. This is one we had recorded a while ago about how to avoid weekend warrior syndrome and uh, not regret it on Monday. And we're talking about your horse, not you, although probably both apply. Now we're going to share a little bit about what it's like to be a Chinese medicine doctor. That's right. Well, this week's topic is weekend warrior syndrome because I uh, did weekend warrior syndrome to myself because I was not taking care of myself. I was running around all weekend and then I lifted up this big heavy thing without bending my knees and pow, now I'm limping around. My back's killing me. I've been whining about it for days. And, um, but why it's important for Chinese vet medicine is because this is a very common injury of driving horses, of riding horses too. But, um, basically I've torn my sacroiliac ligament and your sacroiliac ligament is a ligament that attaches your pelvis to your, to your sacrum, which is part of your spine. Okay. So it's like your lower back, whenever your lower back hurts and, um, so I'm kind of hunched over and I can't take big steps. So I'm like walking like a little Chinese person with bound feet. That's all I can do. If I take a big step, oh my God, it's so painful. So the thing is about this injury is if I didn't know the history, I would think, oh, it just all of a sudden happened when I picked that up. But that's not true. These kind of injuries are insidious and they go on like it's a chronic problem that's been happening like over six months to a year and then all of a sudden the horse can't compensate anymore so you start noticing like wow well you know his trot used to be so free before or why isn't he taking that lead or why are they stiffer on one side than the other so you start seeing these little problems and it's just little micro tears that get bigger and bigger until there's something that just happens I would say sometimes, uh, you know, you'll be riding your horse and then all of a sudden it'll just take off bucking and you don't know why, like something bit it. Well, that's what it feels like. They all of a sudden just take a step or step in a little hole and your back spasms and you can't do anything about it. And it's really painful. 
can't push them through it, it's not going to get better. And the back is very difficult to treat, especially with horses, because um, just if you wanted to inject steroids in there, for instance, you'd have to have a really long needle, and then usually it's ultrasound guided. But with Chinese medicine, the way we treat it is rest is very important. And then some kind of herbal therapy where you get rid of the stagnation, which is stagnation is the pain and uh, spasm. So you need to relax the back. And also um, you need to fix the inflammation in the joints. But, you know, it's a ligament tear. So as we all know, like if you tore your flexor tendon or something, that takes like six months to repair. So even though I'm going to feel better Next week, my back's not fixed. And if I keep pushing myself, I'll just keep re-injuring my back, which I have done. I have done this over the last year is I just keep re-injuring because I don't rest. And that same thing happens to your horses. You think they're better and then you start working them Mm -hmm. because you're healthy. Yeah. 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 And they're going okay because horses are great compensators. Like uh, animals, if they don't compensate, then they look lame in the herd and the lions are going to go after that one. You know, and like dogs are really difficult to see lameness because they're compensators and they just, they deal with it. They deal with it. They don't say, Oh, my back's killing me. But there's little signs that you have to say. If you're, if you're hearing those signs from them, you need to investigate it. So, um, uh, with horses, a lot of times too, and this is very timely for driving people because, um, one of the things I, have started to recommend since I did this to my own back is if I diagnose this in a horse, I tell them to please stop driving for at least a month because even though you're only driving a little bit or, you know, whatever, you can't always say that the carriage is not going to go in a little piece in a, in a bit of sand or you're pulling up a hill or whatever. You, you don't really rest them if you keep driving them. So if they're okay and you can keep riding, um, I'll let the people do that. If they can give them total rest, that's probably good. It's probably the best you know, thing, actually. It's hard to yeah. get people to do that. Yeah. And it, it, certain times of year, people can't. Or, yeah. 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 Or if you're right in the middle of competition season, <laughs> right. do you say, okay, I'm out? Or that, that horse is out if you have a multiple or pair. But really, every step with the carriage is stress on the, on the lumbosacral area. So I think that in the past, I haven't been so aggressive about saying like no driving but now that i've done it to my own self i know that that it's it's probably the best treatment now what as far as prevention of that prevention of that is exercise and yeah and conditioning conditioning yeah and um like for example for me i should probably be doing yoga and pilates and strengthen my core so i need to strengthen my abs so with the horses, you also need to do that. You need to strengthen their abdominal muscles so that that can protect the back. You also need to, they call it weekend warrior syndrome because you can't overdo it at a show. Like if you're not ready and conditioned for a show and you show up at a show and it's really muddy, um, you know, just think about how much heavier your carriage gets. Mm-hmm. Or if you train all the time at home in your marathon carriage with nobody on the back, and then you go to the show with, with four in hand horses, not a huge deal because they have to pull huge weight. But say like your favorite pony at the CDE. That's a tiny pony. pony. Yeah. So say she trains at home with a light carriage. Then she has to go and do a marathon on hills with a <laughs> 
four-wheel carriage and her friend. That's a lot of extra weight. It could put the pony over the weight that he really should be pulling. Right. You know? So I think that conditioning, this is a, a, a this is a stress-related injury, so conditioning to prepare for the stress is the best thing. And if you're worried about it, you know, I mean, you could just back off. You know, or sometimes you have to say, look, I'm not ready for this show. I can't go. Like my guys have been on vacation for a long time. So like all they could handle was the parade. And even that was a little (laughs) stressful for them. But I'm going to have to be very conscientious about bringing them back slowly. Right. Yeah. No marathon courses the second day. No. No. And, And it's good to also know the weight of your carriage. You know, so I, I mean, it doesn't hurt to weigh your carriage and find out how much all your stuff weighs. And then say to yourself, well, can my horse do this? And maybe your horse can do it. I'm not saying that there's a certain number because people always want that number. I know. And they, that we had that question actually asked yeah. uh, not too long ago. But and you can't say people, a number. Yeah, no, people usually use what twice the weight of the horse, but yeah. that's not a magic number either. It's it not a magic on the horse. number. Yeah. It, this, is a, um, this is something, a relationship issue with you and your horse that you need to figure out what they're physically capable of doing without hurting themselves. And some will be more than that number, and some will be less. Right. And it all depends on their confirmation, their stamina, like their attitude. For example, um, uh, you know, if you have an earth horse that you overface, they could get really bitter if you overface them. They might not even be sore. They're just like, look, I don't like working, and you make me pull this really heavy carriage all the time, and they think you're unfair. Whereas maybe a wood horse would be like, I don't care if my back hurts. I am going to pull this carriage through sand, mud, blah, blah, blah. But now that one is really going to hurt himself. So even though you do it, yeah, Yeah. you think, oh, my pony loves this because he just chugs along. Well, he might love it because maybe he's like a adrenaline junkie, but they could be doing a lot of damage to their back. And I mean, I think that's why I did it to mine, because I just kept going, and I might back kind of hurt, but I was like, whatever, I'm just going to keep going. So I needed to back off and change and get in shape and stop <laughs> doing stupid things. But our horses don't have that choice to say, oh, I was so stupid, I shouldn't have pulled that heavy carriage. So you have to be that person for them and make sure they're conditioned. All right. Weekend warrior syndrome. Yes. Wendy Ying has personal experience. <laughs> I'm here with the mad scientist who developed Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds, Janet Geyer. And I wanted to have a quick chat with you because Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds are non-GMO whole food nutrition based. And a lot of people go, oh, that comes from a small dedicated feed mill. I won't be able to get that when I travel. They're wrong, aren't they? They are. You can get it through Chewy anywhere in the United States. Or if you live locally in Maryland and Northern Virginia, you can get it delivered. There you go. Chewy.com. It will deliver it anywhere you want. You can also schedule delivery in advance so you can have it delivered every X number of days. And you can go in there to your account and change it every time you move horse show venues. So check it out today. DailyDoseEquine.com online or Chewy.com. Well, Jamie's going to have some weird news for you, but it's going to be in the Auditor Post show this week because this week is Horses in History. So auditors hang around for the weird news. Uh, I am sure that I, I know I sent you one that I hope you got. 
I don't know if you got it, but I hope you got it because it was weird. But horses and history. I did get it. Okay, good. <laughs> Florida story. Just a little tease there. Florida man. Horses and history. I thought this week, seeing we picked on... We picked on the Budweiser commercial excessively on Monday, uh, which 99% of people agree with. A couple people were really mad that we, we went over, I went overboard, not you. You can't please everybody, Glenn. <laughs> but I thought I'd give them some love today. It made me think, and I went down a rabbit hole, and then I got down the rabbit hole, and I went really deep this morning. I got to thinking, how did the Clydesdales end up being Budweiser's draft horse of choice for their marketing, and when did that, and how did that all start? So you want to hear about that? Yes. So the original Budweiser Clydesdales were purchased from Patrick Shea, owner of Shea's Brewery in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. He also used them for promoting his brewery in the 1920s. uh, What happened was uh, August Bush Jr. actually bought this hitch, bought the whole thing, and gave it to his dad, August Bush Sr., who was running the company at the time, and gave it to his dad as a gift. So what he did was he he actually had them delivered to the to the plant and had them all hooked up to the wagon and the whole thing and his dad knew nothing about it and what he did is he guided his dad outside the brewery and he told his dad he had bought him a new car but instead when his dad got outside he saw the horses and the red and white wagon and the beer wagon and the whole thing and and his dad loved it so it was a gift. It was a gift from his son, and that's how the Clydesdales ended up being uh, being the hitch, is because that was the gift that was first given, and that was in 1933 when that happened. So if you remember your history, Prohibition was around that time, and for you uh, youngsters that don't study history, there was a period of time in this country, what was it, about maybe eight, ten years, where they said you're not allowed to drink alcohol of any kind, and they outlawed alcohol. Well, that went really well. So they brought it back in 1933, and to celebrate the repeal of Prohibition, they took this hitch, and they took, right when Prohibition was over they loaded the thing with beer they loaded the wagon with beer and went all over st louis with the wagon celebrating so that was the first run of the clydesdales was all through st louis celebrating the end of prohibition and then they decided they were going to take the horses to new york and they brought the horses to new york because governor alfred smith was instrumental in fighting Prohibition. He wanted Prohibition gone. So they took the horses, they hitched them up, and they went up to the governor's mansion with the horses and two cases or two barrels of beer and delivered that to the governor. Well, that was so much fun. They continued on from there, and they continued to tour in 1933, New England, the Mid-Atlantic states, and they finally ended up at the White House, and they delivered a case of beer to President Franklin D. Roosevelt at the White House with the horses. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So this all started because they were celebrating the end of Prohibition and we're trying to get people to buy Budweiser again. So uh, that's how it all started. The first Clydesdale Hitch, they were based in New Hampshire. They weren't in St. Louis, actually. They were based in uh, Merrimack, New Hampshire. And it was in 1954 that the horses started appearing in parades. So, And they've been appearing in parades ever since, obviously. But it was 1954, so it took about 20 years before they started really getting them out there in parades and things. What It, it, it seems like they've been in the Super Bowl commercials forever, and they kind of have. They started their first Super Bowl commercial in 1986. 
So they've been doing Super Bowl commercials for a long time. Oh my gosh. I want to see like a YouTube video of all of those back to back to back to back. Somebody must have put that in a YouTube video, you would think. If not, we should, and we could get millions of views. <laughs> we need to do Facebook's that. now paying you for views, so we should totally do that. <laughs> so uh, to qualify to be in one of the hitches, a Clydesdale must be a gelding with an even temperament, a draft horse appearance. They have to look drafty, obviously. They have to be four years old at least, stand at least 18 hands, and weigh between 1,800 and 2,300 pounds. They weigh them to make sure. Yes, they have to be big enough. I'm they all sorry, kind of you're have, too fat. You're, you're twenty three you're not, twenty. You're, you're not fat enough. Um, in addition, each horse must be bay in color with a black mane and tail. Have four That's white like body shaming. Okay, <laughs> they have to. Well, here we're going to body shame them even more. They have to have four white stockings and a blaze. And the ones that don't meet this, that they breed, then are are sold. So they do sell them. You're dead. You don't make the cut. <laughs> don't make the cut. Uh, originally, they were transported by train. So up until 1940, they used to haul them around on train. I think the circus was hauled around on train till like the 70s. But uh, then they started doing truck transport in 1940. I, it's amazing they had trucks in 1940 big enough to haul a Clydesdale, to be honest. Um, so they're housed right now. They have two places where the Clydesdales are housed. Uh, three, actually. There's some of the Clydesdales are at the brewery where you can take tours in St. Louis. Uh, there's also Budweiser Clydesdale Stables that is, is at Grant's Farm, which is about, uh, I think it's a little bit outside of St. Louis. Uh, it's near there. But they, they house 35 mares, stallions, and foals with an average of 15 foals produced each year there. Uh, and then Warm Springs Ranch is in Missouri, and that's about 150 miles Away, and that's where half the company's herd is held. They they have a total of 250 Clydesdales, and it's one of the largest herds of Clydesdales in the world. So they do they do have a lot of them. Uh, you can do the tour. I've never been to St. Louis. Have you? I can't say I've ever spent my. I probably connected there on a flight. <laughs> yeah, I just I want to go see it sometime. I just want to go see the the brewery and all that. What's amazing is like horse culture like this. The fact that it's really survived the times. I mean, yes. that's incredible because to to think about this is a beer company that doesn't really need horses to like a continual breeding program to do this, and the fact that they, I mean, it, it almost. Not totally, and I'm not going to do it, but it almost makes me want to go buy Budweiser. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, but it kind of, like, I'm like, that's cool. I should maybe think about buying one of those someday down You're the road. You're not a light beer person, though, are you? You're more of a... I, 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 I just, I'm not a, I'm not a, a Budweiser drinker or a Bud Light drinker. Um, well, I... I Mm. We like the horses, though, so we're 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 qualifying that. Actually, to be fair, I have drank Budweiser before, and I can't even finish half of one before I'm drunk. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, whoa, that is too. It's just too much, too much. <laughs> so here we go. Really, is that true? Yes, I don't know what it is about Budweiser. That can't have particular. a higher alcohol content than the other stuff you're drinking. <laughs> I know it's weird. <laughs> so here's some random facts that I found about the Clydesdales. Also, the Budweiser Clydesdales are shod with leather pads and hoof packing between the hoof and the shoe. Actually, when they were here in Ocala, we did a uh, quick interview with them, and they showed us that how they do the shoes. Oh, that's cool. The shoes are about twenty inches across. Think about that. 
Me, I'm doing that with my hands right now. Everybody else is too, like 20 inches. That's almost two feet. <laughs> 20 inches across, their feet are enormous. And they're treated with drill tech bars for traction when driving an asphalt. So they, they put like Borium kind of bars on there. Um, the, it takes a crew of five people just 30 minutes to braid the eight Clydesdales, including the tails. Now, you have to be good. <laughs> You're gonna, I don't care if it's five people. There, there are, what, six, eight horses out there? you got to be good. The drivers are holding about 75 pounds of pressure on the lines. So think about that. The pressure on their hands, on their arms, is 75 pounds the whole time they're driving that. Because the lines are long, and the horses are pulling, right? Plus, they have those reins all woven through their fingers. So I was fortunate enough, to, when we went to Percheron Congress, to be sit up there beside the driver when there were eight Percherons in front. And let me tell you what, I still get goosebumps. There's nothing like hearing those horses and feeling that power of eight, eight draft horses in front of you. It's incredible. On average, each Budweiser Clydesdale consumes 20 to 25 quarts of whole grains, minerals, and vitamins. By the way, they eat Purina. And the reason they feed Purina is because they can get consistency all the way across the country. That's why they do it, because they can't travel with as much. 25 quarts of grain, you can't travel with enough grain for 10 horses everywhere you go, right? So, That's crazy. Yeah, they eat 50 to 60 pounds of hay and 30 gallons of water per day. And they travel with 10 in each hitch. They have three hitches that travel the country. They travel with 10 in each hitch. Eight of them are used for driving, and then the other two are spares. So if you start calculating that out, 10, that's 250 quarts of grain a day. That's 500 pounds of hay a day and uh, 300 gallons of water a day. All I can think of is the logistics of figuring all that out for every stop. They're moving every couple days. It's going to be a logistical nightmare. Um, the harness and collar. Now, I knew the collars were heavy, but if you take the whole harness and the collar, they wear those great big collars. The collars weigh 80 pounds each. And when we were there in Ocala watching them harness up, there was this girl about your height. <laughs> that would just get on a little tiny stepladder, and she hefted those 80-pound collars over that horse's neck, over the head and the neck. She was your height. She must have been a tough cookie, let me tell you. So the harness and the collar total weigh 130 pounds. That's heavy. Uh, so you figure scooters Good probably Good Lord, weigh... I think about Western saddles <laughs> yeah. are probably like 50. I can't even launch one of those up on the horse. <laughs> so you figure scooters, little pony harness probably weighs 20 pounds, maybe, you know, 130 pounds. The combined weight of the horses, gear, drivers, and fully loaded wagon. So this is everything when they're hitched up, eight horses and going, is 12 tons. So there you go. So there's some random facts. I hope I hope somebody learned something about this today. I mean, they still draw huge crowds. When they come to Ocala, there'll be thousands of people that come out to see it. Uh, everywhere they go, they draw huge crowds. It's it's still amazing. I still think if they give these up, they're losing their – well, remember in 2010, the new company that bought it said, we're not using them in the commercials anymore, and they got so much flack they had to start doing the commercials again? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're never giving up the Clydesdales. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I'm sorry. I geek out a little on draft horses. I love draft horses. But, but I mean, it's a, yeah, it's cool history, and I'm glad we were able to highlight it after we ripped them apart. They need to <laughs> revisit who they have doing their commercials. <laughs> exactly. Jumping barbed wire fences with and, post breaking. And the Come first, on. And, and, and for the for the couple of people who were mad about it, uh, our comments, we were just mad because. 
of the horsemanship aspect of the whole thing. So normal people didn't notice. When you read the comments on the YouTube, they all loved it and saw the sentiment. All those horse people can go over the once we saw the barbed wire, we were done. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, thank you. These are valuable horses. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Auditors, hold on. We'll do some weird news in the post show. I also have an update on Monday's post show. Remember the Reddit post, the the girl and her boyfriend? There's an uh-huh. update on what happened. Oh, good. So we'll do that in the post show as well. If you want to become an auditor, just head on over to horseradionetwork.com. Click on the auditor banner. And for as little as $3 a month, you too can get the extra content content and join the party over there in the auditor facebook group tomorrow is mary kitzmiller and jen will be here doing training and then on friday we're going to be doing some really bad ads so get your ads in to jennifer at horseradionetwork.com that's it for oh where can people find you you can find me on uh, Facebook. It's Flyover farm jamie jennings certified monty roberts instructor but you can usually find it with flyover farms and it's one farm not farms yeah not yet there might be cars in the future. <laughs> Someday. There's a huge place for sale in Ocala. I really want Yeah, it. yeah. $10 million, You can have that one. It's on auction. It could go for less. <laughs> $9 million. Okay. It is I'll huge. Take two. I'll take two. <laughs> <laughs>